This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny Cage, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, our buddies and partners from Train Heroic stop by the Power Athlete headquarters and discuss the business of making athletes. When we teamed up with Train Heroic, Field Strong was just hitting the scene and Grindstone was a twinkle in the eye of Power Athlete. Eventually, we were able to collaborate with these innovative entrepreneurs and create an all-inclusive platform that would take performance tracking to a new level. In this episode, there's discussion of some of the best, most exclusive gyms in the country to the struggling 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. coach slash owner slash operator. The intangibles of an ideal training setting can be summed up with a frequently expressed power athlete sentiment, and that is manage the experience. Regardless of programming, specialty courses, immaculate equipment, or eye candy for coaches, retention comes down to how well a coach interacts with their athletes. Learn how to achieve this and bring your business to new heights with the guys from Train Heroic right now on Power Athlete Radio. This is episode 146. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? Luke here, Texas on the other end in D.C. Denny K is on the line in the Midwest in Chicago, but he literally just had clients walk in the gym uh, and is giving a facility tour. Uh <laughs> On our world, uh, what do we call this? World class? What do we? World headquarters? No, world. We're like a world-renowned strength and conditioning. The world-renowned strength and conditioning podcast, Power Athlete Radio, is happy to have with us the guys from Train Heroic, our partners in crime here. I got Colby and Ben from Train Heroic. They're in uh, they're in Orange County at headquarters here with us, and we're just jumping on podcast to wrap. So what's going on, guys? It's happy to be here. Yeah, is, uh, soaking in the sun. Yeah, bur- uh, burning up in the sun. Some pasty right. white skin of ours, Colorado. <laughs> Be cooked rare by the, uh, by the end of the day. Yeah, so we have no show outline. Actually, Tex, how long has it been since we've actually had a show outline for our guests? What's a show outline? Remember Denny used to write that shit and we'd never look at it, and then now he's just like secretly stopped writing them, and we didn't even notice <laughs> until right now. <laughs> oh, God, no. Well, what do we want to talk about? What do we want to wrap? What do we got? Uh, well, I think, you know... We have a we have a pretty interesting background in terms of power athlete and train heroic and how this all whole thing kind of came together and then uh, even more so as I got to know Ben and Josh and uh, the guys behind getting train heroic up and running they have a pretty cool story or in in my opinion it's just a couple good old Midwestern boys grinding it out shooting you know shooting high aiming high for for a, a big a big product and you know it's something that we bought into and we're going wholesale with how we deliver our programming so. I don't know. I think, why don't we do this? So, Ben, just give us a story about Train Heroic, where it started. I mean, you know, all the stuff that we've talked about in the past. Yeah, right on. So, um, basically, Train Heroic, as it exists today, has probably been around for two-ish years. Prior to that, it existed in a myriad of forms for another two years. Uh, So, let's see, starting at the seedling stage, uh, I used to be a high school coach uh, and and teacher. Um, Out of that, I kind of really 
just developed a, an interest in human performance. I'd kind of been a performance junkie all along the way. Uh, played college ball at the University of San Diego with my co-founder, Josh Sutcher. Um, and effectively, after teaching, was just kind of looking for a way to bring world-class strength and conditioning down to, at first, just the high school level. Uh, make scaling my job much easier, and the, re the only way, the only conduit I saw that to be possible through was was technology. Um, in total candor, I didn't knew, know two shits about technology at the time, um, but just kind of dove headlong into it. Um, was kind of coaching and helping manage uh, a strength conditioning slash CrossFit gym out of Chicago, River North CrossFit and strength conditioning. Um, was doing that from you know 4 a.m. until noon every day running home and kind of doing the startup thing, trying to bootstrap this thing together. Um, and I think that I, the next evolution that makes sense is, you know, as we were hacking together some super shitty technology and just kind of MVP proof of concept for what we were doing, um, a lot of the center of, of, of our product was kind of the content, mm -hmm. uh, the content we were delivering. So we were using some different coaches that were already in our network, some guys that I think even overlap with the Power Athlete Network, and uh, the, the hilarious part about, I think, the introduction and how we, we finally got acquainted with you guys was we had a program that we were delivering to high school kids around the country <laughs> called, called, called the Power Athlete Program. The Power Seriously? Athlete Program. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, this was kind of at the time where you guys might have just been CrossFit football and Power Athlete was this little baby uh, that nobody really knew or cared about. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, yeah, so, so the programming was core to what we were doing. We were delivering our own programming as Train Heroic, and the technology was almost secondary. Um, and then we we quickly realized like, we're not the experts at the programming. We knew it was essential to our audience, which is, at the time was just kind of high school kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but we knew that was not who we were. Yeah. Um, and we had to define who we were and figure out, you know, let's, let's stay in our lane. Let's, let's do what we do best. Um, and we knew we had a great vision for product. We had a great direction for that. We had some good people in our network. Um, and so how we got involved with Power Athlete was uh, the very first time was John Wellborn sent me a nice cease and desist letter that told me to basically fuck off and die. Uh, <laughs> and so we had to quickly, uh, I got that. I'm literally reading this thing in my inbox and shuddering. I'm like, I know how big this dude is. and I, That's scary. And I think we're, I think we're going to get sued. I don't know how businesses work. This is terrible. Um, That's awesome. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, at, at that time, we quickly were like, all right, we need to rename that program. Let's start there. <laughs> uh, and then secondarily, let's let's get out of this thing. Let's focus on doing what we do. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm going to jump in on that because um, I don't know if everyone does this or it's just me being a fucking paranoid product of the X-Files, right? Uh, but I spider, like I, I search every day and have summaries delivered on, you know, our trademarks, on our taglines and shit like that to see if there's any infringement and shit. So when the, I think it was uh, you and Stefan Roche at yep. USD yep. dropped a video for power athlete training or some shit yep. like that. And it was like a week after we did a cert, timeline's not necessarily accurate, but it's directional. After we did a cert at Stefan's gym okay. and talked about forging powerful athletes and the power athlete program and shit. And I'm like, and that's the first time I met Stefan, and I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm like, Wellborn, you got to see this shit. And he's like, what the fuck? You know, and it was <laughs> – so, you know, you get the big guy fired up, and uh, he's quick to jump in and copy all the lawyers. And, you know, oh, yeah. the, 
oddly enough, it's a shame Denny is still giving that gym tour because that's how this whole this podcast started. Was me, Denny, and Platic decided to record a podcast when I was in Seattle at a seminar during a lunch break, and just to see how it was. And those guys were so fucking excited that we got this thing done and they got to be a part of it, you know. And uh, and I'm like, all right, good, right on, let's get it going, and uh, I'll, I'll let's reconnect on next steps. Well, these fucking guys like posted it on the CrossFit football comments as the Power Athlete Podcast, right? Nice. And John listens to like the first 10 seconds, which is just Steve and Denny saying, hey, this is the Power Athlete Podcast. We're excited. Like doesn't hear me on the podcast at all. <laughs> other yeah. yeah, and he's fucking, you know, SOSing me at the cert. And I like, you don't have your phone on at the cert. You're, you're out there with 40 people doing your thing. And he's like, what the fuck is this shit? Ding, 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 ding. And then all of a sudden, that like as the cert ends, I get I'm 20 messages from Denny, 20 from Platic, 20 from John that are like, nobody knows what the fuck's yeah. going on because John sent a very similar like friendly fire, man. I'm ready to fucking I'm ready to come devour your soul yeah. type of email. And um, is is that is that like pretty prevalent? Do you find that people are kind of playing off the power athlete brand and trying to do their own thing with it or uh, there are a couple guys yeah. that are and you know it's just like how big of a fight do we want to bring there's a guy out of Ohio there's a guy in France or something and like you know they don't really rank too high if you if you search power athlete you know would uh, you say this this conversation right now is a shout out to them or a threat to them I would say, We're like, watching I you. would sleep with one eye open because <laughs> I know we have a very special set of skills. You're listening. Right? <laughs> but um, I guess going back to, uh, I guess, our second encounter yep. was at uh, Tex. John and I were at well, Texas. Well, how did that resolve? Like, what? Oh, they just changed it to, like, explosive athlete or some yeah. fucking yeah, uncreative bullshit. Yeah, I was like, what is a derivation here? Like, power <laughs> has more syllables and sounds more complex and cooler than fucking power athletes. Like, boom. There we are. Yeah, so next time we meet those three uh, Texas high school coaches convention or something, uh, they're there with no plan whatsoever. We're there with all sorts of plans. Um, kind of have a vendor booth doing the thing and uh, pop by their thing, and I'm like, hey, we should – actually take your content and put it in our system so that we don't have to be enemies, we can be frenemies. And uh, and I think that was the seedling for what became kind of a successful relationship. You know, it was after that, ah, we're not sure, ah, we want to have more control over this thing, ah, the technology is not quite there yet. Um, but I think what we saw was, hey, here are some guys that are on the cutting edge, uh, always pushing the envelope of not only how training programming methodologies go, but, you know, what about content delivery? How do we make sure that we're giving people the best experience possible? And for us, those were all the things that we sought to do as well. We knew we could make personal investments, financial investments um, to deliver that stuff, but we also knew we needed to have a partner who kind of shared that vision. Um, and when you're developing technology and really trying to change the game in something, you need people who see that same way. Um, and you need people who are willing to take some chances, willing to take some risks. And um, I think that's what's been uniquely successful is is having um, early adopters who not only are willing to go through some of those growing pains, but early adopters who can help you shape something to support their communities and their audiences. And we've been very fortunate not only to have Power Athlete, but brands like Cal Strength and Dr. CrossFit, Dusty Highland, mm -hmm. um, numerous weightlifters, powerlifters, whatever, uh, to help us kind of make that leap. And I mean, literally take 
take a product that was really rickety and now make it something that's pretty solid and into something that within the next 12 months is going to be world class. It's going to be awesome. For sure. I mean, at the time, we were, you know, like we were maybe two years, three years behind, uh, I guess, the, the learning curve that you were hitting, you and Josh were hitting when you were just hacking shit together. Like, dude, our website was so, so bad, like on the on the back end side of it. And, you know, there's probably people out here that have, that followed FieldStrong from the inception, and they're like, oh, it's the good old days. I like to print off the blog post. But what these fucking guys don't realize is, like, it was a 40-hour work week just to keep people from getting double-charged, yeah. to make sure shit wasn't disappearing. Like, it was, it was in, like, not very stable, uh, not very secure, and it was a fucking battle for me on the back end. And, like, what am I doing trying to pretend to be a network administrator? Sure. You know, like... And that's where you sold me, and then John wasn't that sold, but you're like, you know, and then we have another guy that helps us out on some of the, the tech side. He's like, do you guys want to be a technology company, or do you want to be a fucking, like, a strength and conditioning right. company? And I'm like, I don't want to be a fucking network administrator, and it was just like a no-brainer for us, and that's what allowed us to fucking launch Jack Street. That's what allowed us to launch Grindstone, our basics program, and all the other shit allows us to scale incrementally because I don't have to fucking manage... Well, that's, I mean, that's what technology should do, right? It should, yeah. As a coach, it should make your life easier, mm-hmm. right? And there's a learning process with that um, on our end especially, right? Like like doing these trips, connecting with coaches, running classes, and figuring out what are those big problems that we set out to solve. And so for this situation, it's able to free you guys up to coach, to research, and just to be better coaches and not be a – you know, a network administrator. And right, like customers, running, customers running, running, payments, running billing. Like, I mean, yeah. for, for coaches who are out there and listening, um, I think there's so much and so much value to entering the online space to try to extend yourself virtually to add ancillary revenue streams. Um, but what you're not thinking about are all of the myriad of problems that go associated with that. Mm-hmm. What does the customer service look like? What is your billing? How consistent is your user experience? Where are people actually getting this content? How are they consuming it? How are they interacting with community? What's your retention look like? Thousands of problems, you know? And so I think where we come in, we're all kind of like, I guess we're a technology company, but we're all kind of people that intrinsically don't like technology in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think fundamentally, in so many ways, technology has kind of parsed society apart. It's kind of brought in people away from one another and, and uh, I think our idea, you know, that's why we say we connect coaches to athletes anytime, anywhere. We believe in the coach. We're a coach-first platform, um, but we believe in connecting people and bringing people together. So whether that's in real time in the gym or whether that's on the Internet, um, we want to make sure that connection is really easy, it's really powerful, and there's actually something there. Mm-hmm. Don't use technology for technology's sake. Use technology because it makes that experience better in some way, shape, or form. So I think uh, that's, that's where it starts to really make sense. Yeah, for sure, man. And then how um, how's everything going on uh, on the the implementation on the let's say CrossFit or micro gym side? Like, uh, what's the status of that? I know because we use it selfishly just as our broadcast stream, but there's a whole other side of this fucking thing that that we don't tap into. Yeah, I think so. For us, we serve what we call kind of three different audiences. So we we look at um, we look at our athlete. We call those people performers. Those people are consuming content and then delivering, you know, doing something with said content. Um, we look at what we call creators. That would be yourself, John, anybody who wants to create content, publish that content, and reach a larger audience. 
Um, so typically the most thought-leading people in the market, most influential people, maybe you have like an online audience already and you're just trying to monetize it. Um, maybe you just got great ideas and you want to get them out there. Um, and then the third person, and that's the one that you're mentioning, is really what we call instructors. And those are people who maybe, you know, either want to build their own content, not sell it, but just give it directly to their athletes who are in front of them. It could be a high school coach, college coach, CrossFit gym owner, whatever, mm -hmm. weightlifting gym, performance studio. Um, or it could be something who, I'm an instructor, I have no interest whatsoever in programming. We get so many of these coaches uh, who realized, hey, I opened this gym, I'm trying to scale this thing, but I'm spending 20 freaking hours writing programs that I'm probably in over my head on. I would rather outsource that thing for maybe 100 bucks a month, find a coach in our marketplace, get that content to automatically show up, get it to my athletes anytime, anywhere. I want to spend my time doing the things I love, which is growing this business, the small business I run, which is giving my athletes a great experience that's both motivational, inspirational, and instructional. And then I think uh, working on kind of quality of movement and watching the things that only you in the gym coach can deliver. You know, technology can never substitute for that. Right? You know, our dream is never that either. You know, we're not trying to become like an Uber that fundamentally is going to replace drivers with automated cars. We're not trying to make automated coaching. We're trying to give you tools so that the live coach can have a better experience. Um, I'm, I'm meeting, sorry to, to, to jump in guys, but I'm meeting more and more of these coaches who are either just, uh, they want to focus on managing the gym and they take the CrossFit football seminar and then they default to us to take care of the programming. Whether it's the basics, if they're teaching high school athletes or if they're going all in with Field Strong and their programming. So uh, I definitely discuss the programming kind of on the back end once they are looking for how to implement the warm-ups. I used Train Heroic as an example for the implementation. And this past weekend at the, the Katy, Texas seminar, we had a University of Texas Permian Basin soccer coach. And so they're going all in with the Field Strong program. So it's a great outlet for us to reach more athletes and just the ease of now even sport coaches implementing strength and conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that from a scaling perspective at that level, too, you have – you know, people who just acknowledge they're not a domain expert in a certain realm. You might even have a CrossFit coach um, who's like, hey, I want to add an ancillary service to my gym. I, I love CrossFit. I'll write the CrossFit programming. I'm going to manage that one program. But I realize now, and so many gyms are actually starting to realize this, hey, just having one program does not actually go for everybody's needs. Mm -hmm. Some people come into CrossFit as a, almost like a gateway drug. They realize, holy shit, this is a multi-domain sport, and I really like just the weightlifting portion. Yeah. I now need to add a weightlifting class for the 10% that really just want to do weightlifting. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do the, the conditioning work. They don't want to do the skill work. They, they just want to focus on their bar bar work. You know, conversely, you might have somebody who's like, holy shit, I came into CrossFit, I do handstand walks, and I do... Uh, muscle ups, and I'm just into gymnastics. I'm just into some of this skill stuff. So, you know, having multiple offerings that maybe you don't have to write, but you can actually provision to your athletes is something that can actually add revenue to your gym right. because it, it becomes a retention tool. It, it, I would argue, it's just far too competitive nowadays not to do that. Not to do it. To right. not to do it, right? Like if you're trying to compete with the the box down the street on price. That's like the worst thing you could do, Absolutely. right? You're going to be out of business. You're going to hate your life. It's going to be miserable. If you're trying to compete, uh, you know, with better coaches, that's probably a pretty good strategy. Another one is just through offering more programs to those, uh, to your members and to the community to really kind of differentiate and set yourself apart from anybody else kind of in that local area. And so, 
you know, this just goes back to like, what is technology? What should it be used for? And in my mind, like as a coach, technology should make my life easier so I can free up time, mental capacity to focus on coaching and serving my athletes in a better way. And so, um, you know, Ben raises a great point that if you're not, you know, there, there's so many things about CrossFit that you can, uh, you know, try to kind of position yourself and be an expert in weightlifting, gymnastics, endurance, um, all that skill work type stuff. But um, why do that if you're running a gym and there's other experts that you can connect with instantly to do that same exact thing? Well, the only way you can scale is to actually start to distribute the load. Mm -hmm. You know, if, mm -hmm. I were, if I were to just try to run train road by myself, which I did <laughs> for three terrible, you know, bone-crushing years, um, you're not going to have a great product. You're not going to be doing something awesome. Yeah, you become your own limiting factor. Right? Not only do you become your own limiting factor, you become your customer's limiting factor. You're not giving them what they fucking deserve. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think an acknowledgement of every stakeholder that's participating in your gym, all the way from potentially your investor down to you as the owner, to your coaches as the implementers, and to your customers as the people who are coming in and paying you good, hard-earned dollars, you owe it to them to make sure they're getting the best at what they do. You know, and so if I was uh, using myself as designer, marketer, uh, you know, putting out content, writing, actually being a programmer, we got a catastrophe on our hands. But the reason we can scale, the reason we can be successful is we make sure I'm just hiring people who are better than me at what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I'm like, holy shit, yeah, I'm going to go get a mass slaughter who can be the world-class designer. I'm going to go get an Aaron Crowley who can be the best coder around. You know, those people are going to allow us to put out a better product for people. And, and the reason you do that is for your customers. So I want to jump back to, you know, we were talking about differentiating. Uh, if you're a gym owner in a populated area, how do you differentiate that? yourself from a guy down the street? We, I was talking to you guys earlier about, you know, if I could do it all over again, and it was Southern California, you got fucking 25 boxes and 10-mile radius. Like, I truly believe for the, the peace of mind of being a small business owner and still being able to retain your passion for coaching and your enthusiasm <laughs> for training – because once you open a box and you try to go 150, 200 yeah. plus members, it becomes a business. You don't want to fucking train. And those that do, like I applaud you. You have a, a much more, um, you're much more passionate about the. I would say the that's the exception for sure. Right, but um, I'm like, you got to go fucking 30, 40 person, uh, 34, 30 to 40 clients. You know, maybe. 5,000 square feet, and I'm telling these guys about, like, maybe charge double the going rate, and you guys fucking tell me about Glazier and Urlacher's place, and I, I don't know if you mind sharing, like, your experience, because you were just up there, right? Yeah, not at all, so we were just at Unbreakable Performance, cool facility, if anybody wants to check it out, it's uh, actually on the Sunset Strip, right behind the Pink Taco, uh, so a place where you <laughs> How can you not laugh? Yeah, like, time you hear that there is a, a high-performance facility where I used to get drunk when I was 19 with a fake ID. Yeah, um, and so I mean that in and of itself blows me away. But I think what what's cool about what Glaze is doing is uh, where everybody else is kind of zigging, he's zagging. Yeah, where everybody else is racing to the bottom on pricing, he's charging through the nose, you know, in excess of two thousand dollars a month. Um, but what he's doing is he's saying, hey, who do I who do I want to attract? Well, I want to, you know, they attract the best of the best. They attract everybody from Odell Beckham, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, down to the Rock to Terry Crews, to hedge fund managers, to big time names. And what they're doing is, hey, we want to bring kind of this center of excellence. We want to make sure we have the right people in this gym. We want to make sure they have the right experience. How they make sure that happens is they price everybody else out. Yeah. And it makes it so it's an environment they themselves as business owners want to be in every day. 
Um, it makes it something that actually can scale and be profitable. Um, and it makes it something that the man, the members themselves want, you know, because those high end clients want to be around high end clients. You know, if you want lower end clients, you'll get lower end clients. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Provide them the service that they want. Um, but I think they also end up dealing with fewer problems from a customer service perspective because the people they're targeting, frankly, the money they lose, like it, it's not going to hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, and this facility is not like you don't fucking walk in and there's not someone scrubbing your feet. No, right. Like not even, close. I mean, it's like, it's still that cool, gritty kind yeah. of garage gym team training, you know, working out in a group of five, everybody's doing the same workout. Uh, what Glazier always talks about is, Hey, we want to create a locker room atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, he, he made a joke cause uh, P Diddy actually goes there and he's like, you know, when, when P Diddy comes in, he's not P Diddy, he's Puss Diddy. You know? <laughs> and he's like, you know, again, zig when others are zagging. He's, uh, he's like, you know, these celebrities, their entire life is people kissing their ass. And then in here, they just get beat and down. And so he's like, so what do we do? We beat them down. You know, we make sure that they feel just like a human like they used to. And it returns them to their roots in the time when they were most excited in life. And that's why those people are willing to pay money. That's why those people are willing to show up. That's why those people are willing to bring their friends and build their network there. Because it is truly a different experience from everything they, they, they understand. And I think if you look at the CrossFit model, the CrossFit gym for so many people, it's that same deal. You know, why was CrossFit successful? Um, it was something that was completely different at a time where people needed that. It was a time where, you know, hey, everything was going in this global gym direction. All the surfaces under the sun, you know, all the mirrors, all the stuff. And it's like, let's strip it down. Let's make it basic. Let's make it raw. Let's make it rugged. Let's make it hurt. And people are willing to pay extra extra money for less. Yeah. And it's kind of the same deal right. taking, you know, Glacier's taking step. it to, to five more steps. That Hey, let's let's charge 10 times and let's give half. Yeah, right. You know, um, and, it, and it works out because it's also just more sustainable for the business owner because there's a certain point where you can't give more. Um, and you have to just make sure you're being selective with the clients you're taking on. And there's, there's ways to go about that. And I guess in their case, price is the way to, and I mean, let's be honest, that's a pretty unique situation, right? With yeah. that network and that connection. And so like, I would, I would say that like a real world takeaway for, you know, those coaches and, and owners listening is to like literally map out those gyms in your area, do some research, get the pricing and charge 20 to 30% more. Like right off the bat, if you can, if you can live up to that, that standard, you're going to have better clients, mm -hmm. you're going to have a happier life, you're going to make more money, it's going to be great. Because the truth is, there's always room at the top. And I would argue that I would say that within your 10, 15 mile radius, those prices are fairly similar within yeah. 5%, 10%, right? Yeah. Why is everybody fighting at that price point when you could just be the guy to stand out at the top, right? I think I heard this like Tim Ferriss podcast or something. Like there's always room at the top. People want to compete for the low hanging fruit but there's nobody up top competing yeah. for that stuff. But it's value-based yeah. in the sense that, you know, that was my, my world before banging weights for a living was pricing, yeah. you know, and uh, you have to determine what, what items within a gym yield a value to mm -hmm. your customers. And a lot of times, in, in my personal opinion, I think it's fucking coach. You know, we've been to a lot of gyms right. and we've met a lot of coaches. That text jumped off the fucking horn. Um, but we just had a whole podcast about like the best and worst of traveling for seminars. And uh, let me tell you, like, listen, with at the risk of offending a lot of people who've probably been in the CrossFit uh, football <laughs> fucking seminar, there's a lot of fucking jackasses. Yeah. Like, they're in, in, in trying to get people to intern for us. People do not know how to manage the experience. Anyone can tell you 
sets and reps and weights. Anyone can babysit you and watch form, but how many people can deliver an experience day in and day out that gets you enthusiastic about training, even on your worst day? And I think that that's how an individual could differentiate themselves, but you're not going to have that. You're not going to provide that value item until somebody actually walks through your door. Right. right? And that's why I think, you know, uh, that's one of my gifts is just fucking being able to beat a dead horse and put on a show day in and day out. It's just, it's fucking groundhog day and I love it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where I think I could get, I could really differentiate myself. And I know others like me could differentiate themselves as a gym owner or a head coach or whatever and say, Hey, this is going to be fucking the best time of your life. I'm going to get you off. You know what? You're going to have to pay for it. So that's why my membership's 400 bucks. You right. want to go to the other guy down the street? Fuck it. I don't need you. I only want 30, 40 people in my gym anyways that right. want it. Because one of the most frustrating things becomes when you want it more for, than, you know, than your athlete does. Power Athlete Nation, we are interrupting your regular programming to bring you the launch of Form Caller. We've worked with the team from form lifting to develop what we believe is one of the most essential training aids for any coach or athlete. The device attaches to the barbell like any other collar and measures force, speed, acceleration, and power and sends this info to your smartphone instantaneously as you train. Yes, there's an app for that. Unlike any other wearables we've tested, the metrics provided are accurate and meaningful and provide yet another layer to your training that will help drive more effective power, strength, and speed adaptations. Having instantaneous access to info like this during your training is a pure game changer. Make sure you guys head over to PAHQ.co forward slash form lift. That's capital F O R M capital L I F T for more information on how you can get your form collar. Now back to the show. So I mean, what are some, what are some things to, to do, right? Like, I mean, it's just a grind sometimes, you know, do you mm-hmm. just push through it? So, you know, this is what I committed to. Uh, in terms of what, in terms of just being that coach, right? Like delivering that uh, experience day in, day out, session. Cause I mean, you know, the listening, it's, it's you're at the gym at five in the morning. Sometimes uh-huh. you don't leave till nine o'clock at night that night. And you didn't even work out that day, right? Just yeah, sure. Well, I think, uh, I think it, you have to have the right client base. You know, if, if you have, it's, if you have clients that are willing to die for the cause, then you're willing to die for the client. Right. And that's what I think the price point also becomes kind of a self weeding garden in the sense that, the weeds yeah. ultimately fizzle out because they're not, you don't, in, you don't create a connection. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, uh, again, t- spitting out Texas words, you know, th- the athlete coach connection is a priceless, priceless commodity. So if you have the ability and we have a whole blog series on creating a connection with you and your athletes, if you have the ability to create the connection, show your athlete that you can take them to a place they can't take themselves, then you're set. Like what's the secret recipe? it's creativity, man. you got to figure out how to read people. If you're not a people person, then that this model isn't for you. you know? <laughs> but I think what also comes along with that personality is like not a, po- a relatively polished facility, not necessarily like your uh, equinoxes or anything like that, but it should be a place that people are excited to be in and like not, a, you know, don't tiptoe around as well. Right. right? Yeah. So not a total shithole. But I think the the lesson too that you're talking about is, you know, so much of, I feel like where the CrossFit business education that's happening right now is all about systemization. You know, it's all about almost creating an exit strategy, not an exit strategy in terms of, you know, I guess in the startup world, people always talk about exit strategy. When are you going to exit? What are you going to do? Are you going to sell this thing? And it's like, you know, your exit strategy as a business owner shouldn't be, 
how can I sell this thing? How can I build a product that's sellable? Sure, that's nice. How can you, you know, I think right now the conversation is how can you actually build systems that you can take yourself out of it um, and the thing keeps running? That's great. Don't get me wrong. But I think part of your system that gets left out of the equation is how are you building creativity into your system every day mm -hmm. so it doesn't become fucking sterile and intolerable and vanilla? Mm -hmm. um, because I can tell you if innovation stops, it's boring for the customer, mm -hmm. period. Um, and you shouldn't say, you know, okay, good. You know, I, I think people where they're broken from a mindset perspective, so often we seek out to say, how can I do stuff now so that I can just kind of coast? Yeah. And from a creativity standpoint, creativity takes a tremendous amount of energy. So rather than looking at it and saying, "Wow, man, I can, can I invest now to create some ideas that allow me to stop and finally have this period of rest? Or let's, let's take that mindset. Let's go the opposite direction and say, why don't I actually just try to say creativity is always a part of this thing. I'm always going to have to apply a certain amount of effort to it. Let's actually instead start looking forward to that effort. Mm -hmm. You know, let's differentiate because we love creativity. Let's differentiate because we love coming up with new shit to do rather than, Oh, let's differentiate because we have the one thing that's, you know, it's totally different. And then, you know, as soon as you do that, you're obsolete. Everybody's right. going to rip it off. Everybody's going to copy it. You know, I think we're, as, as a business ourselves, we pride ourselves on creativity and differentiate our feature set, differentiate our messaging, our content, all that kind of stuff, because we just care about our customers and we, we know they want fresh shit. Mm -hmm. You know, the second we stop doing that, you know, they should turn on us. Um, but I think from our perspective, what's exciting about it is like they hold us accountable. But two, we look forward to that. Mm -hmm. If we were doing the same shit every day, we'd be bored. You yeah, know? I think, uh, you know, Tex is a big quote guy. He should have just stayed on the fucking podcast. But one text, uh, you know, I think it's Jerry Garcia said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be the best at what I do. I want to be the only one doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, that's where even in our space, when we're looking at new programming or we're looking at uh, putting together a, a series on YouTube and like it parallels, you know, we're, we're diving in this nutrition thing and like, there are industry leaders out there, you know, the RP strength templates and shit like that who have, they have fucking a customer base and it's like, well, what are they doing? And I always have to kind of pull us back and be like, who fucking cares? Yeah, like yeah. stay true to what we know. We don't have to fucking worry about those guys, but it's hard not to look over the fence and be like, what's going, what's going on, on over there? there? <laughs> right. But, um, totally. Yeah, man. So it's, but the, here's the irony about that. You know, Jerry's quote, you know, you don't, you don't want to be the best at what you're doing. You want to be the only one doing it. By definition, if you're the only the one doing it, you're the best. You are the best. Yeah, <laughs> you're also you the, the fucking best. worst. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but nobody can tell you that. I know, dude. Uh, Denny, are you, are you hopped out back on? Or we lost him. What a hack. All right, we're just rolling. Yeah. Um, so what else? I mean, what else you guys want to talk about? I mean, why don't we uh, why don't we shift over Colby to some of your projects? I mean, you jumped on with the Trainer Oak team, it sounds like, just months ago, right? Yeah, it's been two months, three months now, uh, early December. Um, as we're shooting this, it is late February. So yeah, it's been, been a little while. It's been great. So I guess just a little background for you guys. I was a uh, rugby player for a number of years, played with the Glendale Raptors in Denver, Colorado. And that was my passion and my fuel for life. Um, and while I was doing that, I was carving out a little career as a, as a coach and eventually worked into CrossFit. Um, and that, you know, as, as the story goes, totally kind of transformed my view of fitness and, and changed a whole lot of things about, about me as a person and about my life and went head on into, into coaching CrossFit while I was playing rugby and uh, ended up coaching at CrossFit Verve in downtown Denver. That is Matt and Cherie's, Cherie Chan's old gym. They, they had sold the facility to a, to a great group of owners now. 
and that gym continues to grow. And so, um, you know, and while I was coaching there, Ben was one of the wackos who would come work out at five in the morning. I'd be so jaded to wake up and coach those classes, you know, but such is life. That's the way you go. And I had, I had actually seen train. I saw his name come through on the mind body on the iPad app, Ben Crookston. I was like, I know this name. So I just, you know, did a little Google search, saw the app. And this was the like first iteration of the platform. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Not there yet. Don't totally get it, but all right. <laughs> Dude's in my class. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's cool. We became buddies, you know, started working out. Both of us were former athletes. We kind of had that, that connection going. And I was, I would say that I've very much always been a business minded coach first. And then like, like, a, I guess like an exercise minded coach second. Right. So I, I would lead with like a marketing mind. How can we grow a gym? How can we retain more members? How can we reduce our costs? Stuff like that. And, but I just love the, I guess, the personal connection that you got in the, in this industry. So anyways, all over the, uh, the duration of developing our relationship with, with Ben, my relationship with Ben, um, he was a guest on my podcast, the strength and performance podcast, and things continued to grow there and uh, the position opened up with trend heroic. They, as the company continues to grow, needed somebody to jump on and help out with marketing. And, uh, so yeah, that's kind of long and short of the past you know, five or six years of my life. And it was funny. We were just, just, uh, yesterday we were cruising around, right. Dropping into all these gyms, unbreakable performance, um, Notre Dame high school with coach Nick Garcia coach. If you're listening, that was an amazing experience of really humbled by that. It was fantastic. Um, and we even dropped into USC strength and conditioning and I'm just walking around just like snapping photos, like a total tourist, like, this is so amazing. <laughs> and I was just joking with Ben. I was like, man, the trajectory of my life has changed so much just in the past few months. Um, just two years ago, I was out here at a uh, fitness business conference uh, here in Costa Mesa, right down the road, almost to the day, which is kind of weird. Um, you know, really excited about learning about the whole fitness business side of things. CrossFit Open had just launched, so I was really stoked on that. But um, I just was looking at my calendar just to yesterday, and I realized, like, wow, it's been you know a couple of years since I was here, and the direction has changed considerably. The trajectory has changed, and all that goes to say is that like who who you choose to surround yourself with, and like what kind of positions you choose to put yourself in, like difficult things. Typically, you're going to lead to better things down the road. And so, you know, it's it's just cool to be hanging out here at Power Athlete Headquarters, finally get to meet you guys in person and, and meeting up with Unbreakable Performance and all that. It's been it's been fantastic. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, and to Colby's credit, uh, in terms of just who you surround yourself with, um, I think from a recruiting perspective, we only we only seek to find those people who like to make themselves miserable. Um, and the only reason I was interested in Colby apart from his marketing prowess was he was a guy that I knew had been getting up at three forty-five in the morning, driving for 45 minutes to open this gym, to do the coaching thing. And then tried to start, you know, started his own podcast on the side, was trying to get his own website off the ground. And what you find by kind of associating yourself with those people is one, when you're working with them, they're team first people. They make shit way more fun. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to do more stuff with people who, who are going to work hard because they can tolerate it. And it's, you know, anytime you're doing something challenging, if you're opening a gym, if you're starting a business, if you're running a team, there's conflict. That's, that's the only given is that shit will go wrong. Mm -hmm. And by recruiting and sourcing people like Colby um, and, and frankly, everybody on our team, yep. you're just guaranteeing that you have a, you know, a, a band of idiots 
who is willing to put up with the stuff that's going to go wrong yeah. and who's going to go through the stuff. And you want people who are going to be there in a foxhole with you. Right. Solutions oriented, man. That's so, like what we talk about. Analogy we give is, you know, people come in with a problem and it's like, Hey, just don't tell, don't tell me it's fucking raining. Tell me where the umbrella is type deal. Right, yeah. Like, right. uh, and it, that's hard to find for sure. And even, even in dealing with customer service side of things, which I still do. And we, you know, we have a number of aliases via email that are actually just me or John. Uh, <laughs> if you're getting kicked in the nuts by someone you've never heard of, it's probably John. Yeah. Uh, if you're getting a, a fucking over the pants hand job and you're like, wow, this is a great customer service experience. That's probably me. Uh, but it's like, uh, you know, people are so quick to focus on the fucking problem instead of, Hey, just give me a solution. You know, and I don't know if that's a, a, sh- a short sighted deal, but it does have to go along with like the suffering. It's like conflict crafts character. And it's almost you know, go the hard way, you know, yeah. when there's a fork in the road and it looks fucking totally. bumpy. I'm like, Let's it, fucking you know, it. I'll go with, looting with all this, with all this traveling we've been doing lately. Um, you, you kind of realize how society has been set up to not be hard. Mm-hmm. Right. So like in the airports, there's, you know, you have your escalators, you have your walking, uh, what's that thing? Moving walkway. Moving that walkway. Right. And I mean, those things are always packed. Right. So it's just like this little mental thing I do is like, you know, Fucking, always, you charge take, those guys. Take, yeah. take the stairs, right? Always take the stairs. No, don't take, take the, the moving walk right the opposite way. Take it the opposite Make way. Really now that's fucking baller. Dude, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. But I mean, it's just, you know, that just says something about a person's character. I think if you're willing to put yourself in those situations, here's something you guys could do. The, the five minute cold shower test. Um, I think our, our, uh, one of our guys, Josh Suter does this every morning and he, and it's great. Like, you know, right when you wake up, jump in the shower, as cold as it will go, you know, five minutes, don't move. Just stay in that cold water. It's miserable. But the lesson learned there, well, two things. One, you already have won the day, right? If you can do that, you're starting the day with a really easy, simple win. The momentum gets going and you're crushing it right from the get-go. But you can also learn to be comfortable while you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's a skill. I mean, hands down. Some people yeah. are born with it. I certainly was not, right? I, I was uh, growing up, you know, being kind of soft and out of shape and really love video games and, and uh, Reese's, right? So, <laughs> so uh, much like most, most people do. And so it's a, that's a skill. Like you, if, you, if you can learn to put yourself in those situations, um, you, you will have zero trouble finding success yeah. in, in your life. I would say not only is it a skill, it's, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. So, and I, I would say just if you're not doing that today, do it. Your tolerance gets built up. And then eventually, not only does your tolerance get built up your but your taste gets built up you start to like that shit mm-hmm. you start to actually you know want to be around more of it want to be around people who are like that um you know i think the biggest lesson josh and i always share uh even from college playing for jim harbaugh is jim's notorious now for this famous at usd was not famous for anything uh because we weren't famous right but uh you know his, his favorite thing to say in the entire world is who's got it better than us who's got it better than us and he, you know, the, the number of times you hear that is almost like offensive and you don't even really think about it, but, um, we're playing a small university. We play bigger schools. We play schools with nicer facilities, nicer, whatever. And no matter what, it was just, who's got better than us. You know, when Josh and I were starting this shit out and you're, you know, Josh is sleeping in the laundry room of my apartment, uh, <laughs> with no bed, that was a choice. Yeah. The no bed thing was a choice. Um, you know, just saying that all the time is shit's going down. Our, our server breaks. Uh, we don't even have any coders in our you know site crashes, whatever. It's who's got it better than us because we know those obstacles will ultimately yield a better result down the line. And 
you know, none of us are seeking a short-term exit from the deal. We do this shit because we love it. You know, we do this shit because I, I actually can't imagine doing anything else. There's nothing, nothing cooler than working with passionate people, you know, as a teacher and coach myself and who, who owes every ounce of success I've ever had to coaches and teachers, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to serve those people now to the fullest capacity and have a platform which elevates them and allows them to not make their jobs easier. That's, I fucking hate that thing. I hate when people talk about like, let's make these jobs easier. Let's, you know, leverage technology to do less. Mm -hmm. You know, you start to get these visions of like Wally and these fat people, these blobs, just like <laughs> yeah, gel dude. gelatinously floating around. And it's, it's not about making shit easier. It's making shit better. Mm -hmm. It's totally. making shit more powerful. What I love about power athlete is not empower. It's not perform faster, get, you know, stronger, quicker is empower your performance. Mm -hmm. Make this shit richer, make it more potent, get more out of it. And, and I think, you know, for us, we're, I'm not going to sit here and say we make coaches lives easier. Maybe we do, but sometimes we probably make them harder. Sometimes there's maybe a little bit more work that's required. But I can tell you, your athlete's experience will be better because of it. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, your life will be better because of it. I can tell you, you will connect with more people because of it. And I think that's what it's all about. Like, let's make stuff better. Let's make it more powerful. Let's stop worrying about making everything in life easier. And that acquired taste will, will start, suddenly start to form. Right. And I think that's probably the most exciting thing about what we do is it's like, you're, you know, we're a hard work platform. Mm -hmm. We're a bunch of like, you know, workaholics, not because it's like, oh, I'm trying to make 500 grand a year and this is just where it's going. It's I'm a workaholic because I can't imagine doing anything except for waking up every day and trying to serve other people and build some shit that's going to matter. Yeah. What else am I going to do? Fucking sit there and watch. How can you not get behind that? You know I mean, I mean watch, yeah, the, like, watch the real world. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? What's, yeah, right. Like, I, I literally don't, I have no idea what I could fucking do that could be better than waking up and trying to make a difference. Because I, mean, I don't know. And maybe they, right. some people are wired like that, but it's like, I think I acquired that taste because that's how my parents raised me. Maybe it's nature, maybe it's nurture, maybe it's both. I, don't, I have no idea, but I, I think the more we start to build that into our society, um, the more we start to change things and just improve outcomes. Uh, and, and I think the best societies and centers of excellence, that's what they're doing. They're, mm -hmm. not, they're not out there trying to tell people it's going to be easy. Like, ah, you want to sign up for this shitty thing? Mm -hmm. You know, Ernest Shackleton uh, on his voyage across Antarctica. What is this job post? Uh, men, great men wanted. Uh, shitty job. Death shitty eminent. Pay, yeah. Death eminent. <laughs> All right. That's 3,000 applicants. Here's a fucking mind blow. 3,000 applicants for that job post. This is pre-social media, pre-internet, pre-anything. To just pop that thing out and get anybody to sign up. Mm -hmm. but you saw that like he's saying hey does anybody want to do what i want to do this thing that's awful it turns out a lot of people want that experience mm -hmm. because it's going to yield something pretty profound and pretty different and and to to change the world that's what it takes is do awful shit that's pretty cut and dry right that's uh you're either in or you're out mm -hmm. with that yeah. kind of worry i love that i love yeah. that so i just posted on uh on uh instagram here a little q a with some of our followers zach evanesh ask uh john's not here unfortunately but the three of us have ran facilities well, here's, before yeah and here's a good thing i actually am john wellborn uh nice <laughs> john so it's, i got hired like four years ago john has been in like fucking uh dominican republic and i've just been running via proxy so, yes awesome. uh, i can answer on his behalf so here we go zach evanesh uh thanks for the thanks for your question zach uh if john wellborn was forced to open another gym how would you do it this time around 
Uh, easy. It would be, we've essentially done it. You would open it, you would fund it yourself, and it would be invite only. Without a doubt, that's what John would say. And it would basically be his gym, and you'd be allowed to train with him. Are they paying money, or they're just friends? Mm, probably just friends, because as soon as you get money involved, then it gets complicated. But it wouldn't be a freebie either. It'd be like, you got to fucking earn it. And easy, like, there's basically a target on your ass to get kicked out at any second. Nice. Now, let's say he wanted to, uh, I think... Again, I'm well. Fuck them. If you wanted to actually make like a, a business out of it sure. and actually have a client base, um, God, I just don't think he ever would. But I would imagine it would be along Glacier's line. Uh, Glacier and uh, and Erlocker's deal is like you'd have to raise the barrier of entry, so people would actually have to want it, you know. Yeah. And um, and I don't think he. <laughs> I agree with that. And I don't think it would be like a coach, a coach athlete relationship. It would be a training partner relationship. If that makes sense. Wow. Cause he, I know he just doesn't have the patience to coach anymore, you know, unless an athlete actually comes in and shows promise, but the I, odds are we're not going to attract that type of athlete. Right. You know, what would you do? Ben? What would I do? Yeah. If, I was if you were forced there. to open up a gym, I mean, you ran <laughs> river North CrossFit in Chicago yeah. for a number of years. Yep. What would you do different? Um, or was it just fine and you'd continue? Uh, they did a nice job. They were in a good business. Uh, what I would focus on, first and foremost, what Luke talked about, the coaching. You mm-hmm. know, And I think it starts with you got to be able to do it yourself um, because then you know what to provide, what to scale, what to replace yourself on. You should always do a job yourself before you give it to other people to hand off. Um, but I would probably say, you know, I'd open a gym that's in a solid location specifically with the kind of people I'm trying to attract. You know, I personally like to be around high performers, so I'd figure out where those people are. Um, I think selfishly, I like to focus also on, uh, on kind of the, the high school world just because that's my background and that's who I care about. That's who I'm passionate about. And so being in proxy to them would be a good deal. But, you know, in terms of running it, I think there needs to be an ecosystem that is a little bit, Virtuous. We were talking earlier about a system in which, hey, uh, a lot of a lot of CrossFit, a lot of performance studios are kind of going this route. D1 Sports, one of our customers, manages this route, having a physical therapy right alongside, yeah, right on. um, and not necessarily as oh, just hey, let's boost some revenue by doing this. But it's like you got to make sure that place is sustainable. If the place is trained for performance, truly, people will they're going to get nicked up. That just happens, um, and so uh, I think under a lot of gym men models people end up having to take you know huge departures from the facility because they can't get maintenance mm-hmm. you know basic daily maintenance on who they are but someone who's integrated to your training philosophy yeah, i could tell you one thing that i would do fundamentally different from every crossfit that i think uh every place should should consider doing is um this comes from my teaching world is differentiating the instruction the thing that drives me absolutely insane is the fact that everything's completely uniform it's not necessarily everybody shouldn't be on the same gpp program that's great. The core of what you're doing is great. But uh, having, you know, cranked through hundreds of members every day and River North is a 500 member type gym. Um, every person has their different little quirks because um, their bodies come to you uh, not like athletes. Right. You know, I know you can call people <laughs> athletes as many times as you want. That doesn't make them fucking athletes. They're still just accountants. They're still just whoever's. Um, and if that's the case, they're going to have wonky shoulders, really poor posture, bad hips, and terrible ankles. 
Um, I would differentiate starting by the warm up. You know, our, our technology that makes us pretty easily, but I would create different programs. I would assign those programs to the athletes as they come in. I'd test those athletes, just run them through a basic. It doesn't have to be at FMS. It could be any movement screen in general. Yeah, diagnostic. Say, you have limiting factors in your shoulders. You know, your hips really suck. You're sticky in your ankles, whatever. I'd give them that basic piece of information. I'd say, here's your warm-up protocol. I'd have those templates pre-written in our system, and i just prescribe those onto that person's individual calendar. Done mm-hmm. deal. You know, done deal. The first 10 minutes of class, everybody's warming up independently. Why everybody has to do the same exact warm-up makes no sense. You know, you might have to foam roll somebody's upper back and loosen up their shoulders or whatever because that's who they are because they've been bench pressing too long. The other person might just be like, I literally can't get in the squat. Why are they doing the same exact warm-up? Why is the person who can't get in the squat rolling their back? You know, mm-hmm. Maybe, that, I mean, that could theoretically get them in a better position, but it probably can't. So let's make sure everybody has their individual warm-up. You know, I could still do that in the group environment. I could have 35 people warming up together, getting exactly what the fuck they need. But, you know, and then from there, let's go into some GPP, some good stuff, starting with probably two strength movements. Not just like one thing, but like, let's actually get some real strength stuff going. And then we can layer that on with maybe some short conditioning, skill work, whatever, and rotate that stuff out. But I would not just like, hey, today's the strength day. Tomorrow, we're going to kill you with a 65-minute Metcon where you're going to consider converting into a different religion. And then, you know. And then like in none of these things, are you getting the things that are fundamental and foundational to like actually optimal health and performance, which is like, let's make sure we're getting enough accessory work in. Let's make sure we're taking care of our joints and let's make sure we have, you know, exactly the protocol each of us needs. Right. It's very, very different. You know, I would differentiate the accessory work. I would differentiate the uh, mobility work, the recovery work. And I would keep the GPP in the middle of the exact same for. So in your experience, how many different silos do you think you create in terms of athlete types? You know, like in terms, because I know exactly what you're saying in terms. Okay. So you have to target certain groups of people have to target certain dysfunction, right? Right. So what would you say? I mean, uh, based off your experience, do you have any idea? Buckets of dysfunction, I would say I I would break it out probably the way I described. I'd say hips. Shoulders, hips. Shoulders, hips. Ankles. Uh, ankles. I'd start there. Mm-hmm. Those would maybe be three buckets of dis- dysfunction where I'd be talking about both the accessory piece and the mobility mm-hmm. piece. Because uh, everybody needs rotation. Everybody needs isostability. Everybody needs, you know, so you just layer it on top of that. And then like the GPP strength stuff, I think could be core for probably 80% of the population. The differentiated, I guess, programming would relate only, hey, do I need to truly be an athlete? Or right. do I want to be a specialist and maybe just do the barbell work, maybe just do whatever, differentiate that stuff too. Um, frankly, I think CrossFit gyms and, and every other gym in between, I, I don't want to just limit this to CrossFits. Um, do yourself a favor, make your coach's job. And I could be the only CrossFit gym coach to ever say this. Um, I don't think I am unique in this regard. Make your job tolerable and exciting by not making it Groundhog's Day and having everybody in the class doing the exact same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. frankly for any coach who's worth their salt it's fun to be able to walk around and this person over here is snatching and that person over there is cleaning and this person yeah. over here is doing a single leg squat whatever don't care i can walk around the room as a good coach and just differentiate that instruction yeah That'll but be- you have what i like to refer to as coaching bandwidth yeah. the ability to observe yeah. that breath that, yeah. right in the sense that again i deal with hundreds of coaches here You'd be amazed. Like, it's just, and I don't know if it's like, Hey bud, you shouldn't be a coach or Hey bud, you need another five years. Like 
you know, I don't know how you scale or work your way through that progression to be able to manage that. But, yeah. you know, we, we run across coaches and even in our closest circles who are like, you know, our recommendation. So backing up our recommendation, you have a client come in, they should start a, a, some sort of linear progression, right? While the clients you've had for six months, two years, four years should be on a different yeah. protocol. Sure. Everybody kind of meets for the GPP. Maybe there's variance there based off of, orthopedic issues or, uh, you know, whatever, but there's variance in the class. I'm like, how do you manage all that? And it's like, huh, you just fucking do it, you know, but <laughs> yeah. you know, people are, people are absolutely paralyzed by it. So yeah. Cold blast coffee is power athletes, limited edition, dark roast. It's a hardworking true grit, kick in the door and fire up the machine coffee. Billowing with big, bold flavor, it kicks harder than John Wayne's horse, packs more punch than Bruce Lee, and if Chuck Norris ever approved a coffee, this'd be it. We have proudly partnered with Caveman Coffee Co. to bring you this exclusive blend. Only 500 bags exist, so get it while you can at shop.powerathletehq.com. Now back to the show. But, so I, the last two things I would throw in there that I think should be different is... Uh... I think if you are running a group oriented framework, which I would recommend because I think that's best for culture, it's best for it's best for community, it's best for competition and just making it fun and engaging, probably your retention problems, is uh, I would say invert what I traditionally see. Uh, I see kind of your on-ramp foundation program to be run by the biggest newbie or knucklehead yeah. in the gym. Mm -hmm. totally. um, and all you're doing is setting up athletes for a horrible experience. Totally. Uh, and a lot of issues that should be run by your own bad retention issue athletes getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I, I think the other part of that, um, that foundation fundamentals, basics, whatever you want to call this program is it, I would make it requisite that it's test out. You simply yeah. don't do not pass go, do not collect $200, do not pay $200, uh, in this case until it's proven that you can do the freaking basic movements. Yeah, dude. Not so here's, so going into the team training environment, here's what I think, man. Like, I do think that there should be more PT style training, one, two person groups. Yeah. And here's what you do. You, you accumulate an extraordinary league of coaches. Maybe it's five of them and they all have their own PT clients. And then every week you have a team training throwdown. And it's like a battle of the fucking tribes, dude. Like you got Ben's guys, Colby's guys, and Luke's guys, and they all fucking come in for the team training event. And it's just some fucking Metcon or Wad. And then, but that's how you can kind of keep the fucking. I think that'd be. Now, would it work? I don't know, but it sounds fun as fuck because yeah. then you have personal pride in your clients. They have the, their own small team framework. There's a competitive element within the gym, a grander league, if you will. Right. So you're building in a lot of the engagement pieces that I think. Mm -hmm are somewhat embedded maybe seasonally, maybe, mm -hmm. it, okay, it's the open stuff yeah, right. today. That's something everybody gets jazzed on. They look forward to it. Gym go numbers always go up and then kind of afterward, they maybe start to take down mm -hmm. midsummer, so forth. They really take down whatever. And I think it's like, you can solve some of that by just building in naturally to your own cadence, having event driven goal specific things. Um, whether it's, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have a testing phase during a cycle, make it like a real strength and conditioning facility, like a college or a high school pro team um, versus just like every day is just the one. Well, what, you know, I think a thing that's broken in that capacity and, and in every training environment in the private sector that I've seen um, is there's not necessarily something that's truly event driven. Mm -hmm. You know, the people who are going to be most committed, who are going to pay the most money, who are going to stay the longest have a true goal. Right. And where it gets off the rails quickly is, hey, I signed up for the gym and my goal is abs. 
<laughs> well, that's the theoretical goal of almost everybody. But let's let's take that step for a second. You know, why and what are you trying to do? Are you trying to run a, a marathon or a, a tough mud or a thing like this? Are you trying to climb XYZ mountain? Are you just trying to make it so you can pick your fucking kids up and not blow your back out? Right. Whatever. Have a specific right. goal. Make sure it's measurable. And those people will stick around because the training becomes purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing worse than just showing up to work if you don't know why you're doing it. No different with your training. If I show up to train, but I don't know why the fuck I'm doing it, I'll be the, the poster boy for this. But, okay, go ahead. Finish. Finish. I'm just saying I'll be the poster boy. When I was playing football, I trained 35 times a week. Yeah, right. Why? Because I have a very clear reason why I'm doing that. You know, blow out the hip and... You know, I'm like, ah, I don't really play any sport competitively. I don't really do X, Y, Z thing. You know, my days of being a competitor on the weekends or whatever, those those days have sailed. All soft excuses that I got to go find a new event, a new goal to train for. But the training then just disappears. Right. I have no reason to go out there and train. So it's like, okay, now I need to repurpose myself, redial myself. It's like, what is the goal? You know, what am I actually doing? What's the event that I should go for? So it's like, sign up for a Spartan race. Oh, now I got shit on a calendar. Yep. Oh, now shit, I need to go start working out. And then it's not, I'm training to go get abs, um, but the abs might show up. Yeah. They're probably going to show up because I got to go do the real hard thing. That going back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, Colby, is differentiating yourself, providing value. Now, a guy like you walks into my gym, I have to have the creativity to implant. Yeah that in your brain, what you are training for, yep. right? I couldn't, de- you know, hundreds of clients I've dealt with. What are your goals? Oh, get in shape. Like that's a bullshit goal yep. in my mind. Like yep. how do you find something that's obtainable, measurable, repeatable type bullshit, you know, but you have to, and you can't make it your idea. It has to be their idea. That's the creativity that I think a, a world-class coach when dealing with general population specifically, because an athlete's real easy. I mean, I think, you know, we were all very passionate, capable hardworking athletes in our backgrounds. Like if I was 18 years old and my strength coach said, Hey, okay, here's what we're going to do today. Like try to smash your head through this brick wall. Yes, sir. I'd be like, yeah, okay, let's fucking go. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, you don't get that personality type when you're working with general pop. But, um, but think about this, you just kind of ask that thing. You have somebody walk in the door. We'll call this person quote unquote, a prospect. You know? <laughs> hey, business owners, they're at the top of your funnel. Buzzwords. <laughs> What's right? Um, <laughs> But this person walks in the door and you say, what's your goal? What are you here for? You know? And they say, ah, I don't know. Get in shape, whatever. It looks fun. If you just, what if you just tried this tact? What is your goal? And they're like, ah, get in shape. That's not a goal. I need you to have a real goal and something you're actually training for. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't know what that is. How about this? Come back in 24 hours. I want you to have that goal. And we'll talk about what you can do and what, what experience we can provide. How I can get you there. How yeah. I can get you there. I promise you I can get you to your goal. Anyway, I, I, yeah. I need to know what that goal is. That person, two things happen. One, they don't come back. Guess what? They were going to fucking stay at your gym anyway. Yeah. That person was going to churn like crazy. They didn't know why they were there. They didn't know why you were special or what, you know, what would make you deserve your top price. Mm-hmm. You know, the person who comes back and they say, I got my goal, Luke. I just signed up for doing this adventure race never thought about it but i'm gonna do a 150 mile race it's gonna be awesome yeah perfect i can make that happen perfect yeah i can work back from that date i can write you the training program for that date and i got the perfect group environment to get you fired up and and keep you engaged along the way what do you think i think now we're in i think here's my credit card yeah right (laughs) let's go yeah now i'm happy to pay luke's 400 a month fee yeah no problem that's sale we got anything else on the feed we do yeah yeah zach again 
We have, uh, well, let's see here. This will be interesting. This is kind of a long one, so we'll, I'll try to make sense of this. Uh, Leader Life Fitness. Uh, currently in my 18 months of CrossFit, always have been an athlete and played as high as semi-pro b-ball level. Train a few hours a day, and I'm a trainer, so I have various blocks of time to focus my focus on training and mobility. Goal is to be a regional or higher-level athlete. Uh, uh, CrossFit. CrossFit, yep. Redoing my scores on the 2015 Open sits in the top 80. My engine is great. Gymnastics sit around. Da, 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 specific specifics. Uh, let's see here. Specific question is, uh, what, I mean, man, my li- Olympic lifting and strength are subpar. 250-pound cleaning jerk, 175-pound snatch, 375-pound squat, 445 deadlift, 155 press. If this year's regionals don't happen for my, for my approach, should I take for the upcoming season? I don't understand this question. All strength, weightlifting, and skill work? Mm-hmm. I don't understand this question. I get well, it. I'll, I'll answer this okay. question. You got this? Okay. Does he say how old, how old he is? He is in – no. doesn't say how old. In his 18 months of CrossFit. Let me look at him. All right. So he's been doing CrossFit for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. That guy is too old. I'm just telling you, eight, only 18 months, and he, you know, if you're coming in and you're ready to fucking crush it, you got you're looking at a four year commitment, right? Mm-hmm. And especially with those numbers, strength comes slowly. Like there doesn't the Olympic lifts are way too low. The power lifts are low as well. If there is a higher power lift, it would show me he has strength, mm-hmm. right? Built in base, yeah. A built in foundational base of strength. So with that said, he's got to spend two years just getting stronger and doing things like sprinting, okay? Fuck the Metcon. It's sexy and it's fun. But that the easiest part, I think, of CrossFit is the Metcon side of things. So if you have a Metcon motor and a decent engine, which he says he does, mm-hmm. it's never going away. Mm-hmm. But you, in order, the best way to build strength and power quickly is to drop the Metcon, right? So you stop Metconing and you focus specifically on strength and power, doing sprints and 40 yards, 100-yard dashes, things like that. And uh, you do it, you follow a smart program and you got to show up and do more than yesterday. You know, you get a Dave Spitz for an Olympic coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to come down to fucking SoCal and bang weights with us and get, you know, we build strong, powerful athletes. Um, I wouldn't say we're the most technical Olympic lifting coaches because our protocol is, hey, we're lifting a barbell to get you better at not necessarily lifting a barbell, but your ability to move outside of the weight room. Mm-hmm. So we're huge fans of clean poles and power cleans, but if you're going to be a competitive, a uh, competitive crossfitter, you're not getting by on power snatches. Like I'm no. telling you right now, you know, you got to be a, a pretty competent Olympic lifter. So right. yep. that's what I would have this fucking guy do. And then in terms of mobility, listen, let me start off with, I love Kelly. Kelly's a fucking killer dude. And people, many people need a lot of his work, but the best way we've ever stretched out was with a heavy barbell on our back. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Heavy barbell, on your back, overhead, and lots of reps, and uh, moving efficiently, understanding proper movement is going to get you in a very mobile, uh, mobile environment. Like, and if you need some of the mobilization stuff as rehab, go for it. But if you if you walk into a gym, you know, say I want to be a regionals competitor, and then you say I got to focus on mobility, you're out. Yeah, that's just like you're not you're not in the right spot. Like, your program shouldn't be mobility centric; it should be performance centric. Right. right. I mean. Starts with the goal again, mm-hmm. right? Is your goal so, to like stretch your thoracic spine? No, it's because my snatch sucks balls, and the only way I can possibly snatch more is if my thoracic spine starts to loosen up. The goal is to get that snatch mm-hmm. level up. It's not to get that spine. 
lose. Now, my message to this guy is I will gladly be wrong. I'm not one of these guys who's going to say, I told you so. I'm going to say, you fucking proved me wrong, motherfucker. So if you don't think you're too old, fucking do it. Show me wrong. Show me I'm a fucking asshole. I'd gladly be the asshole in this scenario and see a guy at podium or see a guy at regionals. Yep, right on. But on, I also would dissuade people from what I would consider unrealistic goals. But this guy needs to spend two years just fucking banging weights. And then maybe doing right. some peppering and some Metcon stuff to keep his technical stuff up. But if that's his bag, go for it. But I would also say, you know, what's the purpose of the goal? Is that goal just an arbitrary thing? Hey, I want to just be out there. It'll look cool. Or is it that is that goal truly meaningful? Because regionals individual? athletes yeah, because slay I, bitches, dude. I think so. <laughs> only in SoCal. Only in SoCal. <laughs> that must be a custom thing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, that's funny. I'm not, any feedback? I and mean, what do you guys think? Am I way off? No, I, I agree. I think, you know, this is take this, take this for what it is, man. I, I appreciate you chiming in with the question, of course. Um, I would certainly agree with Luke. It's you just need to get stronger, like hands down. If you, if you funny story. So occasionally CrossFit HQ will release these little infographics of like uh, the performance over the years in the open for like, you know, back squat maxes and, uh, you know, Fran times and all this stuff. Yeah, all the metadata. So, like, Yeah, yeah, totally, of where you're at, right? So anyways, this was, I don't know, probably a year ago when I was like super duper into competitive CrossFit and I was like totally benchmarking myself against this, you know? Five foot eight, 180 pounds. <laughs> Six two, 220 pounds, a little, you know, a little oversized for this thing. Anyways, so I was looking at this chart and it was like Fran time, like uh, 2.30 or three minutes or something and snatch 200 pounds and all these different things. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm like, not that far off. All right, we're doing okay. But it turns out this was the females from like 2012. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm done with this. And so, uh, so I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, having the goal of, of, of improving yourself. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Anybody who has a specific goal and they're going to work towards that thing, even if it's like totally unattainable, like I applaud you. Most people don't do that. Yeah. And putting yourself with a ridiculously goal of a high chance that it's going to fail, like what we talked about earlier, that's awesome, man. I have more power to you. But the reality of the situation is CrossFit, competitive CrossFit, especially at the regional and the games level, is too competitive. If you get a late start, it's, I mean, you're you're, yeah. you're hard-pressed to, to make that. It's a concept of um, gradation. So gradation is essentially the scaling of maximal training response to stimulus. And there's people like, uh, the Rich Fronings and the Camilles, and the they have been in this game for close to seven years now, and probably at the elite level, what is it, five years, mm-hmm. right? Four years, five wow, years, something yeah. like that. But those three years of just uh, potent exposure to the this, this same training stimulus is what has allowed them to gradiate to a level that only that cannot be achieved by an amateur, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like. Um, it, an example of this would be uh, guys who are competing at world-class powerlifting, right? And the programs that they've followed over a decade or so that have allowed them to achieve a strength level. You put those guys back in their infancy, training day zero on a linear progression, they will accelerate to an adaptation curve and top off at what we refer to as our base level of strength. And strength is just one training response, one physiological type of uh, ability on top of that skill acquisition. Uh huh. Now that that same window can only you only do it once, and how you do it sets the path for for the future. For yeah, wow. perpetual yeah. Uh, the per- perpetual whatever uh, eternity of your training life yeah. cycle. Right. So the fact that this guy is eighteen months old, 
uh, 18 CrossFit. months old. <laughs> okay, I take old, that back. You have a chance. <laughs> 18 months old CrossFit yeah. life cycle, but at a, a training age. Uh, yeah, perhaps a training age because he's dude's in great shape. Yeah. Like he looks like he's been training, but a training age uh, much far beyond that, it becomes a disadvantage and it yeah. flattens out that gradation curve. Does that make right. sense? Oh, yeah. So, totally. whereas like, you know, you look at Rich Froning, play baseball. What does that strength and conditioning look like? I've never really met a baseball club that had like a fucking intense training, like a strength and conditioning background. I, I don't know what his training was like. It in also high school, just gets in into when did you start the sport because the sport was not the same sport. Exactly. Oh, different right, and so, the stresses so, have incrementally so increased. Exactly. So Rich's training age is mm-hmm. basically grown in parallel to the exact competition Bingo. level of CrossFit. So. I mean, when when Rich won the CrossFit Games the first time, that was a different CrossFit Games than the CrossFit Games today. Yep. The athletes are completely different. Their training ages is different. The sports mature. The athletes are matured. The stakes are higher. It's it's a different fucking battlefield. Yeah, and you can't suggest that like, hey, I can just jump in and uh, and do this thing. You know, something we talk about all the time at Train Rook is is you simply cannot get through the field of fire without acquiring scar tissue. Mm-hmm. And you will never have success without acquiring scar tissue. Like, hey, dude, you know, if you're if you're totally on board to go to the next three regionals and you got that timeline, that dedication, that space within your lifestyle to carve that out and fail for the next three regionals and you're you're not already, you know, mm-hmm. on the on the downslope of your of your actual training performance from an age perspective, then great. But that's going to happen to you. In today's competition level you need to fail several times before you're blessed with, with any level of success and any games competitor out there. Let's look at a Noah Olson. Perfect example. Kid's got a motor off the charts. He's actually plenty strong nowadays, you know, clean and jerking 355, I think somewhere around there at a body weight of maybe like 185, 90 pounds, you know, with great gymnastic skill set. He's still got to fail. What now two times going on his third time. Who knows if that happened this year, he's training his great shape. Sure. But you need to fail before that success comes because there's learnings that happen, if only from an experiential standpoint, that are going to go down. Yeah, and, you know, you look at our, our favorite CrossFitter, uh, China Cho, yeah. same type of deal. I mean, she's been in it since the start and has grown, like, you've seen her grown tremendously. She's on tonight, going to fucking hopefully smash it. Yeah, all right. And um, uh, she's – I forget who she's competing against for 16 Emily Abbott. Yeah. For sure. So we're, we're stoked and we're rooting her on. But, yeah, it's a tricky deal. Or – and – the, the regional com- competition, like with the super regionals and shit, is just getting even more and more dense. Yep. So uh, one way to fucking do it is, dude, move to South America. Those guys have a regional. <laughs> you fucking move to Who South did America. Somebody did that. You're going to smash it. A lot of people, there's a, a couple somebody dozen people have relocated, got That's citizenship funny. for some shit. And you're going to smash those That's South like Americans. That's like Tim Ferriss, like, hacking the system. <laughs> <laughs> he, so. he won, like, what, like uh, 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 a uh, national championship in Brazil for kickboxing or some stuff? But the rule, he, he like hacked the rule to where he, if you kick the guy, if you push the guy out of the ring more than three times, you win by TKO by default. So he learned that, went down there. And now he's like a Muay Thai champion or some, yeah. some bullshit. I don't know. I just think that's funny. We got anything else? We got time for probably one more. We do. Wow. Yeah. One one more question. This was going to be specific for you. This one Fuck. is from Zach again, Zach Avanesh. He wants to know about uh, having a blog with membership for most of the articles okay and power athlete does this he says i think people respect the information much more in the day and age 
where so many things are for free, people don't respect great information like they used to. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely considering having a membership site through my blog. What are your thoughts? I would say get ready for fucking people to call you a sellout and bullshit like that. But this goes back to, uh, I don't know if it was, it was before the podcast, but we talked about, you know, the appreciation of free shit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to find somebody who, you know, you give them the shirt off your back for free, who's going to actually like cherish that shirt. And I'm, I just happen to be that type of guy where, dude, I got a buddy who fucking, uh, met him at the gym when I was working at Balboa lot, you know, helped them lose all the coaches there in the program. I'm not taking full credit for it. Uh, but we helped them lose a bunch of weight and he never, he didn't fit into his fucking board shorts, his early board shorts. Cause that's what you wear when you CrossFit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and just, he's like, just so clear, I brought my board shorts on this trip just in case. Dude. So I've graduated to the board shorts that are casual. Nice. I don't know oh, what you call these, fancy, but they're like stretchy, like board yeah, shorts. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I like, nice. I'm business and fucking, Right, yeah. But anyway, so I go, so like a good bro, he's like, Hey man, I'm moving. Can you help me move? I go fucking move. And he's pitching all these board shorts. He's like, they're garbage. Trust me. And because they're in the garbage. I'm like, what do you do with those board shorts? He's like, I'm throwing away. They don't fit me. I'm like, what size are they? He's like, I don't know, 36. I'm like, dude, let me get those. Cause one, I'm cheap, but he fucking gave me those things. And I was super appreciative, even though it was garbage. Right. But how many people are going to like care about that shit? So I guess that going back to the proverbial garbage board shorts, like, um, that makes it in my personality type. If I'm going to invest in something, then it's even that much more important to me. You know what I mean? So you're going to get the people who are, are going to be pissed off about you putting it behind a paywall. Uh, and then you're going to have the people who, who truly respect your message and uh, will gladly pay the five bucks, nine bucks. And you try to hit a price point that is like enough to, to be noticeable on a monthly basis. Uh, and then, uh, but not where you're going to fucking, you know, starve a guy out, you know? So, um, I don't know. I'd do it 10 bucks to fucking read some blogs and then you got to make the the user experience solid too. Cause it, it all goes back to providing value. The, the information is valuable, but you got to improve accessibility as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, and it's just cultivating, you know, I, I think beyond just the business part of it, what is the life that you want to be living and who do you want to associate yourself with? Mm-hmm. Do you want to associate people with people who truly value you, who are willing to spend a couple bucks to support you? I mean, like there's nothing better in terms of saying, I believe in this and I value this than to put your dollars behind it in mm-hmm. today's world. You know, that's not an easy thing to do when people are pulling out their wallets to support you that that says we're part of the same tribe and we're doing the same thing in, in some ways you perform. It makes serving those people easier. Yeah. You know, even if you're running a free blog out there, there's this, almost internal obligation, sense of obligation to continue to serve it and put content out there. Right. If, you, if you're serving that to people that don't appreciate it, don't care about it, maybe want to talk shit in your comments or whatever, well, that's what you're going to get. And you're setting yourself up for a life of that. So uh, that's not to say, hey, everybody go do that. You know, you should be putting free content out until people have, you know, shown interest in what you're doing. But once you already have those people those people will, will be happy to support you. Yeah, for sure. I and think. yeah, you, I mean, we have uh, man, you know, he probably listens to the podcast and I'm fucking terrible with some shit with memory, TBI stuff, I'm sure, or maybe too much tequila, who knows? But <laughs> uh, you know, he's been giving us 10% of his paycheck, every fucking paycheck. He's just like, man, I, lo- I love you guys changed my life. I totally value your shit. And it's, it's a, uh, you know, I think it's something, you know, associated with this faith. I can't recall sure. anything, but uh, dude's fucking like, throwing it in. And like, honestly, we're just kind of accruing it and putting it aside and then we'll probably buy some bitching piece of equipment 
you know, with it. And it's like, it's totally cool to have something like to have built that type of audience. Right. So so how much harder do you guys want to work to serve somebody like that? Without a doubt. And like, dude, when, if he emails with a fucking problem and I have the people who I know are appreciative and like, dude, just take my money, you know, like here's my money. Would just give me, I saw you're wearing a hat. I want a hat, take my money or some shit. Who want to wear the flag? Uh, when those people hit me up, it's like, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm going to drop what I do and, and help them out. So, but uh, that, no, dude, I think with easy conversation, easy 90 minutes or however long this fucking was. Um, but uh, no, thanks guys. I mean, uh, if you guys want to know more about Train Heroic, like here's, here's who, if you're listening and this is you, just check this shit out, right? Do you breathe and lift weights? Go to fucking trainheroic.com. We have something for you. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, because sure. uh, the platform's legit. Um, you know, our program's on there, which is legit. So just make it happen. And uh, if you're a gym owner and you want to get your clients, deliver your clients programming, allow for tracking, everything, movement demos and shit, dude, the fucking platform's tight. I'm stoked that we went with them. Trainheroic.com, right? I want to give a quick shout out just to, to our team back at home in Boulder. Uh, Josh, Jay, Matt, Aaron customer support, Chels and uh, Miss Kayla. You guys are kicking ass back there while we're over here in the sunshine. Yeah. Getting sunburned. So uh, keep it up. That's where we have the best customer support. It's what I see through social media all the time. And uh, I'm stoked to be part of this company. So let's keep it it rocking, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Colby, on that. Thanks, Power Athlete Nation, for tolerating our bullshit and and, uh, (laughs) hanging out with us today. And uh, hope to see you guys soon. So let me ask you a question about Josh. Like, Josh. let's, Let's pause. Josh is, uh, <laughs> what is his deal? Cause he's a very tolerant and very nice guy, yeah. but you look into those eyes, he might be a psychopath. What's his it's story? It's, uh, is he, is he a crazy person? Has he killed a person? <laughs> All right. Is this on? Yeah, we're rolling. No, Josh is a, a servant of the world. So all of life stress comes internal. Uh-huh. It's like he has a semi-permeable membrane. Yeah. I think that's the, the concept. It comes in, but it, it can't leaves. come out. So is it like the green mile? And Yeah. yeah. So I, it's only a moment before he breaks. <laughs> I mean, life stress, work stress, whatever, relationships. Is, I mean, it's, it's got to it's gotta take its toll. So we're waiting. No, it is uh, in the early days before, before a lot of the team jumped on, he was like the customer service guy, and I was on the horn with him all the time. Yeah. And anyone who's dealt with Wellborn knows he's like – like the biggest assholes just to be an asshole to try and get his way. And uh, it's one of his superpowers, but to see John, like totally unfaced. Yeah. yeah, Oh no, John. Yeah, absolutely. We were right there. No, he's been, I fucking love him, man. He's, he seems like we were talking about the world. You could not have a better partner. Uh, I mean, but you play ball with them. I feel like he was the type of guy who just kind of morphed in between whistles. Like it, as soon as the ball is kicked off, is he an animal? Yeah, I mean, on top of that, I, Josh, I don't, I don't even, disc- I don't think I can take credit for this. I think he came up with this concept. Um, but Josh describes himself, and there's no better way to describe him as just the most durable person in the world. Yeah, just like absolute cockroach can't kill him. <laughs> uh, you know, like when he was sleeping without a bed, he's like, I don't need a bed. I mean, he he spent a year, I, I believe. Eight, seventh and eighth grade in Korea, living in Korea, and he uh-huh. slept on the floor the whole time there. When he started, you know, living in my laundry room, we were starting the company, sleeping on the floor again. I'm like, "What the fuck are you doing, man? 
Like, that's awful. Like, I mean, if nothing else, you're a health junkie and you should take care of your back and stuff. He's like, ah, it's great. It's like, I got a soft body. Why do I need a soft bed? Yeah. You know, and it's like, (laughs) that's the type of guy he is. He doesn't believe he needs anything. And because of that, you know, he has such a strong mind, uh, such a strong care for people that, you know, it it truly just makes life more enjoyable to be around folks like that. It makes it more fun to work with them like that. And, you know, if you're going to take on big, heady challenges, the same same thing that we, we continually sign ourselves up to do. There's no way else to. You to want that guy on your team? Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, since the, sure. since I met him, clearly an unstoppable warrior, dude. I was just yeah. curious what's going on, going on between, you know, between the ears there. Yeah. All right, Josh, I love you. It's not an insult, brother. Yes. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot. Good show. We'll talk to you guys later. Right on. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Discover what all the fuss is about and head to www.trainheroic.com. There you'll find numerous training systems, teams, and coaching opportunities to meet your needs. Not least of which, of course, is yours truly, Power Athletes Field Strong, Grindstone, The Basics, and Jack Street Systems. Until next time, bye!